Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Brazilian Polyglot. The objective of these episodes is to help you improve your listening comprehension and your overall knowledge of the world, as you will learn about many different topics and broaden your horizons at the same time that you learn new vocabulary and get exposure to English. I just want to remind you that I am on Instagram as Brazilian Polyglot, and I go by the same name on YouTube. So if you want to learn an effective way of studying English and being able to communicate better, stay tuned in my content. And if you want my help to guide you on this path of learning English, make sure you check out my online language school, Brazilian Polyglot School, or BPS. In my school, I offer you all the tools you need to improve your listening, reading, writing, and especially speaking, as I guide you through the process of becoming fluent in English. To learn more about BPS, just click the link to my website down below. So, our guest today is Michael Finn from the channel English with Mr. Finn. Good morning, Michael, and thank you for accepting my invite. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, today I thought of discussing with you this topic that a lot of Brazilians, I'm sure, have questions and doubts about it, which is the green card stuff. This so-called, so famous, small piece of card. Is it a card or is it really, a, is it a paper? I've never really seen a green card in my life. I think to it's be on it. To be honest, I will. I, I can't answer that until we go to the States and my wife gets it in her hands. Uh -huh. um, I know that when she is eventually approved, they stamp her visa or they stamp her passport with a particular visa that is the initial green card. Because then once we go to the States, that's where she will receive the green card. But is an actual card that I don't know. Right. I think it is. Probably it, it's, it looks like the, the driver's license, right? I think it's a, a small piece of card anyways. So yeah, before we, before we get started, let me just briefly introduce Michael. I think a lot of our audience already knows him. So Michael is an, America from, is an American <laughs> from Los Angeles, California, and he has been living in Brazil for over 12 years now. He currently lives in the city of João Pessoa, Paraíba, and he is in the process of moving back to the United States. So he's in the process of applying for a green card for his beautiful Brazilian wife. And I invited him to share some insights with us today. So, you know, we could learn something from his experience. As he said, he's, he hired a lawyer because the process is just so complicated. Right, Michael? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward, but you need, you need to have the time Uh, and the dedication to give it. So there's lots of forms to fill out and process and fees to pay for. And because there's so much bureaucracy, I don't think a lot of people realize, I mean, especially Brazilians, I think Brazilians think that Brazil is the only place where there's corruption and difficulty with bureaucracy. That's not the case. America too. Um, it's only been getting worse over the years as the government grows. There's just so much bureaucracy. So you can do it yourself. And I think it's easier to do it yourself if you are already in the States 
rather than being outside the country. The fact that I live in Brazil and I'm a very busy person, I went ahead and paid for a lawyer, which isn't cheap either. It cost me about $5,000 just to hire a lawyer. Yeah, that doesn't even that's, that doesn't even consider the fees I had to pay for the process. Uh, the fees you have to pay the UCIS, I believe it's a, you know, uh, anyway, I think it's the UCIS and the NBC, the, the governmental fees. That doesn't even include those fees. So I went down that route just to make sure things were done correctly and timely. Wow. So you're saying... Okay, we're talking $5,000. When you said $5,000, I thought you were going to say $5,000 reais because that's already a lot for us in, in reais. You know that? $5,000. Yeah, $5,000. So if you're looking at, what is that? What is that? That's over That's over 25,000 reais more. 25,000 reais. Over, over 25. Yeah, yeah over, over. 27, 28. Wow. A lot yeah, of money. Um, is your lawyer Brazilian or is he American? Uh, interesting. Yes. He is Brazilian. He's an, he's a naturalized American citizen, but he's Brazilian. He's from Salvador Bahia, I think. Okay. And, um, uh, so, and it's funny how we found him because when I started this process in 2018, I was looking for a lawyer and I didn't, because I was trying to find a lawyer here. And obviously I couldn't find one. And one of my students, he's a surgeon. He was like, Michael, my daughter is a paralegal. She works for a lawyer in America that does this. And it's so funny because here I am in Paraíba giving us class, uh, being a teacher for an, uh, a Brazilian surgeon. And his daughter was working for a lawyer in Southern California. So like out of all the places she could have been in America as a paralegal happened to be the place where I'm from. So everything kind of lined up perfectly for me. Wow, uh, yeah. wow, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's good. All right, so my first question here. Um, okay, as soon as you guys got married, what, four years ago? Five, yeah? No, we've been married six now. Six years. Okay, yeah. as soon as you guys got married, how long did you have to wait or if you had to wait, I mean, at oh. all, to start the process? I mean... Oh. It's the very we, first step that you had to take after you guys got married. We could have started the process even prior to getting married. You know, what's funny, Ludi, is I, I never had intentions to move back, you know? So when we got married, I had no intentions to move back to Brazil. I had no intentions of moving back to America. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, I didn't because, I mean, I've made a pretty decent life for myself out here mm -hmm. and I know the realities of the United States. I think one of the things is people have, they've been enchanted by Hollywood. They think it's all great right. there. Exactly. You know, totally. I mean, I, I love my country. Don't get me wrong. Like I would choose America over Brazil, but I'm from Los Angeles, California. And if my choice were Los Angeles or João Pessoa where I live, I would choose João Pessoa. I live in a great place, wow. you know? So I had no intentions of moving back. And my wife, she really wanted to go. She actually bugged me a lot. And so we got married in 2000, uh, 2015. So I took her and my son when he was 10 months. I took them to the States for the first time in 2017. So my kid was 10 months old. And she loved it. She had a great time. And when, when we came back, she just bugged me. Let's go. Let's go. And I, 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 got, mm -hmm. I, got, I said, no, it's not happening. Done. Leave it alone. Oh, yeah. so you guys got married in 2006, then you waited. No, 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 no. 2015. We've been oh, married. Oh, 15. Six, 
sorry, 2015, six years ago. I got confused with the six. Huh. So 2016, so you waited two or three years to start the green card process. No, right? no. Okay, so let me break it down like this. So we got married in 2015, June 2015. Mm -hmm. Things were cool. And then, you know, we got pregnant with Derek. And then my son was born uh, September 2016. And then the following July, I took him to America so they can, yeah. so, 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 so my family her, can meet. You took yes. her to visit. I took her to visit and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she just fell in love with it because, you know, when you're a tourist and I tried to explain that to her when we came back, she wanted to move there. I said, you don't, you don't understand when you're a tourist, it's different than when you live at a place, you know, when you're just enjoying the good things from the place and, and, you know, there's no, you don't have the pressures of making a living and taking care of stuff. It's, it's different. And I, I was adamant about not moving back because I know how bad it is in California, Southern California, especially nowadays after COVID and stuff. So this is why I asked. You were so emphatic when saying I was decided not to okay. move back. So I thought you, you were postponing the green card application no. process. No, I never was even interested in it. But what changed? What changed? What changed was when we went back, when we went back in 2017, I came into some money. One of my former employers had set aside um, a 401k for us as employees. For our listeners who don't know what a 401k is, it's like a, it's like a private uh, retirement package, you know, where when the salad, when your the employer provides it for his employees, they, it's like they pay the taxes, you know, the FGFAS, and they, they put money aside into this thing. So I had over $20,000, I didn't realize. So when that money came in my hands after, well, not came into my hands, but it was available and I started going after it. That to me was, okay, now I think we have conditions to move if we want, because it's very expensive. It's very expensive dealing with the process and then moving a family. It's not just by myself. I got a wife and a kid, so mm -hmm. moving and stuff. So now I had this money to do it. And then thirdly, I, what made me change my mind is because I was adamant not moving back to California, at least not Los Angeles. But then I realized I have family in other places of the country that would happily take us in. And like I said, I, I would choose America over Brazil. I wouldn't choose Los Angeles over João Pessoa. And that's where my mind was. If I'm going to choose João Pessoa or Los, Ange Los Angeles, I'm saying there's João Pessoa. But then I realized, oh, I could go to other places. And then that's when I started the process. Then I told my wife, all right, let's do this. And I made her day. She's like, oh, okay, great. So when did I start the process? I started the process in July, 2018. I went back to America with my son to hire the lawyer to get my hands on particular documents that I had there and to start the process there with my lawyer. And so I started in 2000, July, 2018. And according to the system, when they got their hands on the documents and they got their, their, the money, they started September September 11, 2018. That's when everything officially started. When the when the ball officially got moving. The ball when the ball officially got moved. Yeah. When like the ball that. when the ball when the ball got rolling. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like in that expression, let's get the ball rolling. Yeah. When yeah. the ball got rolled. So that was two years after you got married, right? Yeah. Uh, two, three actually, because 16. I made the decision two years after I got married, but we got no, we got married 2015. And the process, we started the process 2018. Yeah, so that was my, my, my first question. Uh-huh. Wow. All right. So September 2018, that's when the ball started. Got rolling. Got that's when the ball rolling. got rolling. That's when the mm -hmm. ball got rolling. 
Yeah. Rolling, ing, yeah. That's when yeah. the ball got rolling. All right. Yeah. And then what happened after that? I mean, did you nothing? Have nothing. It literally. It was like a year later. No, I actually, I actually took note of it. It was one year, one month, and one day later that things that things really started moving because. So like I said, that date I told you, September 11, 2018, is when they received everything. I got a notification letter from the government saying, okay, we got the stuff. We'll start processing. But then from that point on, nothing. I remember I remember uh, getting in contact with my lawyers like, okay, what's going on? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And it wasn't until October 12th, 2019, literally one year, one month, one day later, that I got notification that things were happening. And from, from that point on, things got going really quick because there's like 12 steps to the process or 12 steps to the process. Okay, this is important. I, I, uh -huh. Now, I can't remember all 12 steps. I can remember up to step 12 or uh, step 10, uh -huh. right? Because from, from, the, from a year, a month, a day later, steps one through 10 happened like dominoes. Boom, 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 boom. Uh -huh. I was like, great. And it wasn't until January, 2020, I had to do step 10 and step 10 was I had to prove financial independence. I had to prove to the government that my wife, that we as a couple, were not going to be a burden, particularly my wife, because I'm already an American, uh, but we, that she wasn't going to be a burden on the system, on the society, on the government, that we weren't going to use their benefits or welfare, you know, like Bolsa this, Bolsa that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I had to use my mother at this point as a co-sponsor because this is another issue I have to face when I go to America for anyone who's listening. Don't make the mistake I made, but I haven't declared taxes in America since I've lived in Brazil. I didn't think I had to. It was my yeah. ignorance. It was my ignorance. So I had nothing to declare. So I had to use my mother as a co-sponsor, right? To show the government a history of tax, of, you know, just taxes and, and income and making money. And I had to prove that with her tax returns and all of her tax information. And it took, that was around January, 2020. It took one month for that to be approved. So it was February 19th, 2020, where uh, step 10 was done. And all we had to wait for was step 11 and 12, which was step 11 was the doctor's visit because anyone who's getting a green card needs to see a particular doctor that works with the consulate that has to have certain examinations, collect blood, connect flu collect fluids, and they want to make sure you have nothing contagious. You know, they're checking, because you're going there to move to work. So you have to, that's step 11, and then step 12 is the interview. So we were psyched, right? We were, we were excited. So, man, here we are, finally. And then one month later, boom, the whole world just locked down. So we had to wait a whole year and a half for the if last two steps. If it wasn't for COVID, the interview would have taken place, what, by the end? Last of year, probably last year, probably. I would assume, I would assume a year ago from July, probably July, 2020, you know, it takes a few months to get things through the, through the system. People, you got, people got to realize that it's, it's a huge bureaucracy. Like people, when they see my wife and I like, why? Why does it take so long? She's married. I said, yeah, but they don't know that. Like, I'm just one more. We're just in line, like at the bank. They don't know my case until it's our turn. 
Okay, and uh, I'm sure you are familiar with this situation, right? Which is very popular for immigrants, you know, to pay Americans to get married. So do you think that this is one? That's of the why. Yeah, that's why. No reason, right? The main reason for the interview and stuff, the main reason for the interview and the way that the interviewer asks questions, they will ask the same question probably three to four times different ways to catch someone in a lie. Because they're trying to filter out what is legitimate, what is a real marriage and what is fraudulent, who are doing it just to get into the country. And wow, that is incredible. Yeah. 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 And I think of this fake marriages or I don't know if there is another way to say it. <laughs> uh, uh, um, what was the word? Oh my gosh, when it's not form informally, yeah, informally, the way people people address the situation is fake marriage. Um, I think this situation has been happening, like has always been happening, and I don't think it's ever gonna stop happening, you know. Probably Because not from, ones, from the one side that are Brazilians were very interested in immigrating to the US, and from the other side that are Americans willing to make money on this, yeah. Sure. So anyways, this probably is one of the reasons why there is so much bureaucracy. Wow. And it's just getting it's just getting worse as far as bureaucracy and some things I just don't understand. I just I just don't understand. I mean, it, part part of me understands it because they want to make sure that we're legitimate. They want to make sure that we're going to be because America is like I, I want to make things clear for our your listeners. I think there's a there's um there's a false kind of uh, understanding or concept uh, conception of the Americans. We don't, we're not anti-immigrants. I mean, America is a country of immigrants. You know, everybody who came to America are immigrated from somewhere at some time. It's just, we're anti-illegal immigrant, people that want to come and abuse the country and take from the country like leeches and not contribute to the country. That's the big difference. I mean, my family is immigrants. I'm first generation. My mom, immigrated from Portugal. So, so, and I want to do things the right way. Of course I could have done it illegally. And so what I'm trying to say is, is like, we're fighting and spending money and, and, and going through this. And they're really tough on people doing it the right way. But then you look at the Southern border, how it's just open and people are just coming in like crazy and, and nothing's really being done about it. It's, 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 it's a mess. And this and this ends up being a political problem, right? That if yeah. even dive into this, well, I, I don't even have much, how can I say that, background to discuss this, but it's complicated. You're right, you're right. All right, so, wow, wow. Because of COVID, everything got slower. And uh, what about citizenship? This is another question that I have. When I, when I lived in the US and I had these friends, they married... They were married to American guys. And then I remember some of my, it's not friends, some people that I met, they had to wait three years to apply for citizenship. But you said that now it's five years. I don't know. No, to be honest, I don't know. I, I heard it was six, but I, I, haven't, I haven't looked into it because I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a type of person. I don't worry about things until it's time for me to worry about it. So like right now I'm focused on this. So until, until I'm in that stage, that's when I'll look at that. So re regardless, three years, five years, six years, there is a certain amount of time that you have to have been living in the States before you qualify 
to be naturalized, to qualify to be a citizen. And what's the main difference between an immigrant who has a green card, like hopefully Taina will soon, will very soon, uh, certainly not hopefully she will, and an immigrant who is already naturalized? Well, when you have a green card, there's a validation. You got to renew it. It's got to be renewed after. So even my Brazilian, I have a Brazilian green card, you know? So it's got to be renewed every so many years and stuff, like a driver's license and, and whatever. And um, that's, I think that's the only real difference. I do believe with the green card, you can work, you, you, you can have a social security number, which you are eligible for benefits and stuff. So I think the biggest difference is eligibility. Like, so for example, my Brazilian green card is good until 2027. Right. Mm -hmm. It's good until 2027. So it's the same thing with the American green card. There's a validation. And when you're a citizen, you're a citizen. So you come and go. You, you, you have the benefits uh, as an American citizen. You can to be honest. That, yeah, you can vote. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if you can vote with the green card. You probably you probably can. The way the system is, it's different than here. Like I can't vote in Brazil. You can't. No, I can't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous because I it affects me. I pay the taxes. You know, I should have a say, but no, I can't vote. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's another benefit, but that's probably another benefit of getting a citizenship. Uh, and that's the main reason. Like, I'm not moving back to the States for job or anything. I've actually made a pretty good living for myself in Brazil. There's two reasons why I'm going back. One is for my wife to get the citizenship because we don't know what the future holds. And I don't want any difficulties or complications coming, going, because our children have dual citizenship. So our, the main focus is getting her citizenship, and that only can happen living there for a while, for some time. And then the second reason is for my children. They're still very young, and we have very little support and they have very little contact with other kids and family here. So I want to raise them around my family, so my, my brother's children, so they have cousins to play with. And I want to take... I do really love my culture of camping, fishing, hiking, all these things that you do that are very common in the States. I want to do that with them. And, you know, probably later we'll come back because I do love my life here in Brazil, too. Wow. I really, it makes me so happy to hear you say that, really. Because when you said you were moving back, I thought, oh, what happened? Maybe Michael doesn't love Brazil anymore. No, <laughs> no it's actually, actually business wise, I'd be staying here. I mean... I don't want to, I don't want to like, I'm going to be as humble as I can, but I'm like a hot commodity, man. It's like, I'm, my time's filling up. Sorry. What was that expression I, that you just, I'm a, I'm a hot commodity. Like, like hot commodity. Are, yeah. People are really just like my phone's blown up almost all the time for people interested in classes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it'd be the same going there, going back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So business wise, I'm better off here. And I love the, I love my, look, people ask me, what are you going to miss most when you leave? Well, the friends that I've made, the friends that I've made. And certain Can I ask you this question? I remember. <laughs> yeah. So one last thing, Michael, about the interview. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of Brazilians are curious about this, this, you know, a weighted interview that they have to go through. So the interview is actually the last step of the process. The last, the last step, yes. the last step. Now, pr pr prior to the interview, you do have to go and see a, spe a specific doctor for the interview. You have to have certain examinations done that the results of the examinations need to, yeah, need to be in the hands of the 
the off the consulate officer. Now, the funny thing is this doctor that you see can only be found in either Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, Belo Horizonte, or Brasilia. So, and the interview can only be done in Rio. Out of all the consulates, the United States consulates in Brazil, the only one that deals with immigration is in Rio de Janeiro. So when we got the interview date, as soon as you get the date for the interview, you need to schedule the doctor's appointment because the doctor's appointment, like I said, has to be done prior to the interview. You need to take the examinations with you or they, they're sent to the consulate. So the fact that the interview's in Rio, we try to set the doctor appointment in Rio to you know, save money and save time and save, you know. Unfortunately, the doctor in Rio only had a, a vacancy one week after the interview. So that wasn't going to work for us. And we found in Sao Paulo and Belo Horizonte, they had a doctor's appointment the same week of our interview. So our interview was on a Friday, last Friday, the 20th. So they had an, a, a vacancy or an availability on the Monday, the 16th. For Ty, for my wife and I, that was cutting it close. You know, we wanted a little, you know, it was cutting it, cutting a little too close. Because what if the examinations were late? What if, you know, we wanted a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of gr uh, a grace period, just in case. So we set up an appointment uh, for the doctor's visit consultation in Brasilia on the 11th. So she had to, so I had to buy a round trip. She had to do a turnaround trip. A turnaround trip is when you go and come back the same day. Turnaround so trip, bate volta, yeah? Yeah, bate volta. So she went to Brasilia, did the doctor's examinations, the consultation, and came back the same, the same day. Uh, she was exhausted. And then last week we went to Rio. And so we had the doctor's appointment done, all the examinations done. In fact, the day before, now we were so, you could say, mala, sparta, we were so clever of making sure we had this grace period because some of the examinations, I think there were one or two examinations that were only available the day before the interview. You know? Wow. So, yeah. So anyway, so then we had the interview and when we went to the interview, we had to go there early, right? We had to go there early and I couldn't even go inside due to COVID. So she went in and she was telling me the, the kinds of questions the interviewer asked, like about how we met, about, you know, things that we've done in our marriage. Is it true that one of the questions that they ask, like what side of the bed do you sleep and what side of the bed do you guys sleep? Did she tell you that? I don't know. I don't think so, but it's, that's possible because I was talking to other people that were there and some people were, some people were asked really intimate or corny questions. Some people were asked more basic questions. So I think it depends on the officer you get. Because can you, know, you like, imagine when it's, when it's an illeg illegitimate, can we say that? Legitimate? Uh, it, no, Ill yeah, it, illegitimate, yes. Mm -hmm. When it's, when they are facing an illegitimate marriage you know this is the kind of question bam okay i'm gonna get you there right because <laughs> but you know what's funny but you know what's funny that kind of question could be easily falsified especially if just one person's there like True. that's why i i assume both of us would be in the interview because you can or the interview both of us you can kind of mix and you can match or you can see the discrepancies within the answers but That, that's an easy thing to falsify because she was by herself. Mm -hmm. In case of an illegitimate, wow, this is a hard word to pronounce, illegitimate. Do it faster, Illeg illegitimate, illegitimate. 
illegitimate, illegitimate, illegitimate. Good, good. In case of an Ill, Ill, <laughs> in case of an illegitimate marriage, in case of an illegitimate marriage, you see, guys, even now after 15 years of practicing and speaking English, these kind of things still happen to me. So, in case of an illegitimate marriage, like you're saying, one person is by herself, she could just memorize a script, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's why some of the questions they ask, they ask it in different ways to catch you in uh, um, a lie. So I think one of the questions they asked her more than once, I think two or three times in different ways, how we met. Oh, or, or, or when or when we met in different ways to see if she would answer it the same. Uh huh. Time. Interesting. Wow, interesting. Wow, wow, wow. Okie dokie. I think that was it for today, Michael. I really, really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your experience with us. <laughs> and I really hope everything runs smoothly from now on. I, I'm sure it will. And very, very I hope so too. Everything, like I, like I had said to you, everything is, theor she's theoretically approved because even the consulate office is like, everything's good except for one document dealing with these taxes so i had to so she's technically denied until they process this one document that i've already sent so let's see keep our fingers crossed keep our fingers crossed we're recording this podcast on august the 23rd august 23rd so hopefully very soon Pina will have her green card in her hands and you know new doors are gonna be open forever so i'm sure everything is gonna turn out fine thank you very much michael for being here today and i hope we can do this sometime again again in the future that's my pleasure thank you for having me i love being here i'm mr Fien and yeah, so I'm Mr. Finn, and I'll catch you later. Bam! Bam!